Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, Successful Life Podcast is a space where you can hear stories from badass entrepreneurs and influencers that collectively have millions of listeners and followers. You get to hear their backstories and where they are currently. We discuss how precious your life is and crucial it is to live with a purpose and die knowing the person looking in the mirror today. This is the successful life. Corey Barrier, yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn, apply it to your life. It's your turn to live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, two, one, let's go. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with Kate. And I'm going to let her pronounce her last name because it's so <laughs> difficult. <laughs> It's Willette Kretzinger. I yeah, love it. there you go. Thank so, you. Thank you. Kate, uh, how are you today? Thank you so much oh, for coming on. Thank you for having me, Corey. It's a pleasure. And I'm doing great. Thank you. Every day is great, especially with everything that's going on. I mean, I, I look at this stuff. Uh, we're in the midst of the COV ID or COV 19, excuse me, with all of this recording while we're recording. And I look at it as a positive thing. We're forced to spend time with families, we're, sport, we're forced to do the things that we've been putting off um, and we can't use that as an excuse anymore. So we're here, let's get it done. <laughs> so I look at it as yeah. a positive thing. You know, I agree with you. And, that's, and I get to I touch wish... you like this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We, we may not have connected if it hadn't been for having some downtime. And, exactly. You know, so Kate's a nutrition coach, which I think is super cool, obviously, because I'm a nutrition coach. And so this conversation could go all over the place, but there's going to be some parts in this podcast folks that you're going to listen to and your jaw's probably going to hit the floor. And <laughs> I don't know the entire story behind it, but um, it's certainly going to be a part of this conversation. And so get ready because this is going to be really cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Absolutely. So Kate, tell me, um, let's just really quick because we both are health nutrition people. What's your thought process on, on, on nutrition? What do you, do you have? I mean, you know, every human being obviously is different. So everybody style, everybody type, every person has a little bit different way you've got to treat them as far as their nutrition goes. Correct. And, and I hope people understand that because it's not a one size fits all folks. It's just not. Mm -hmm. That's so true. I love that. Cause that's what I say. And I think, um, I'm a little more of a food Nazi than anybody else. Uh, I believe in removing inflammation and inflammation is many things, anything from a headache all the way up to cancer and everything in between. 
And it's different for everybody and what causes that. Because I say to some people, whatever's nutrition for me might be poison for you, might be harmful for you. And I am a good case of that because kale used to cause a lot of issues for me. And a lot of people are like, kale, that's good. That's good for you. Kale's the superfood, and but it wasn't for me. One of the things in, in the time that I've been doing this and the years I've been doing this, I realized that a lot of the culprit is you know, carbohydrates, mostly grains in particular, I should say, and sugar. So what I like to do is help people reduce those or altogether eliminate them, depending on where they are in their health journey. Some of people are just not ready to do that. So, <laughs> so I meet people where they're at. And that's why I like calling myself a coach because I push you past your normal limits, push you past what you normally would do because what you normally are doing is not working. So we need to look at things a little differently. You know, and I love how you said that, Kate, because, you know, what people don't understand when somebody comes to see you or me about, uh, you know, coaching them through their nutrition or, or their fitness or both or whatever it is, and you tell them, you know, this is the price, right? Mm-hmm. And people, you know, for me, my price is fairly high. And so, but the reason it's high is because I know that if you work with me, you're going to get results because I'm not going to let you fail. And I'm going to actually add a little addendum to that. It's if you actually do what they are, you are telling them to do, they will That's see right. the results. Exactly. Well, it's, well, so what I do, what I did when I was training though, uh, to make sure of that, I would have every single, and this is a kind of nice, a fucking nightmare, but I would have every client text me their diet every night by nine o'clock. If wow. I didn't get it by nine o'clock, you got a question mark at nine oh one. And I have already explained to you what that question mark means. That means send me your motherfucking diet now. <laughs> and and so and, and that's how I got success because if they if they didn't send it, I knew they were full. I knew something went went south. Yeah. It's accountability, right? We mm-hmm. all need that accountability. Every if they one know of they us. have to put that like, oh, I should not eat that because I have to put that, <laughs> I have to give that to Corey or I have to send that to Kate. I am not doing that. It's true. Yeah, it's it absolutely true. true. <laughs> you know, it's no different than going and spending, you know, a, a bunch of money on something you, you haven't told your wife or husband about. And then you got to come home and tell them. Same thing. Yeah, Better off just people, not doing it. <laughs> exactly. And, and a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of energy that goes into that because it's not a one size fits all. And so you have to be able to know that, okay, well, this reaction is probably from this. So let's try this. If that doesn't work, well, it definitely could be this instead. And so there's a lot of energy that goes into that. And I, I feel that the information that we have is valuable. Um, and it's different than mainstream and we're there with them. They have access to us 24 seven. I mean, not that I'm awake 24 seven, but the times that I'm awake and I get their emails or their text messages, I respond within 24 hours and I'm sure you're the same exact way. Right. So I, you know, that to me, that exchange in energy that I consider money energy. And in that exchange, I feel that it's a fair exchange and there's no cost that you can put on your health. None. And you know, I'd rather put my money on this than going to the doctors in my elderly age, you know, when I, when I turn 50, 60 or when I retire, if I ever retire, I, I don't want to spend my time in and out of the hospital and you know, I want to enjoy my grandkids if I ever get them from my kids. <laughs> I've been begging them. I, I want some grandkids, um, but I want to be able to enjoy life. I don't want to be in and out of doctor's offices. And so that's my motivation why I do what I do. 
because of my long history of, of poor health that I've had, um, you know, and I want to teach everybody the same exact thing. And I wanted people to have that same goals and the same passion to want to do whatever they need to do to get healthy and not, not have these excuses. I mean, everybody's got excuses. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Very true. So, um, so Kate, let, let's, let's take, let's go back for a moment and, uh, talk about why, why did you get into this? And, and let's go back to maybe younger, uh, younger Kate. Uh, did you grow up as a fat kid? I did. I was chubby. Yep. Yeah, okay. I was chubby. Tell, tell me the story. Yeah. So, um, I, I, it was just my sister and I, and we, she was always skinny. She could eat anything and everything she wanted. And she literally was a size zero. Uh, she was just, but she also didn't have a chest. I mean, she was just like, <laughs> she had no curves. She was just, and, just a and, flat board. Yeah, she was. And, and for me, I was always curvy. I always had a bigger chest, but I also had a little bit of weight too. And so that was kind of my mom. My mom always told me I was big boned. <laughs> That's right. just a nice way of saying you're you're fat, I guess. Um, I've never I've never seen I've never seen a fat skeleton personally. I never have either. So <laughs> apparently, um, I do have that apparently. But yeah, so growing up, um, we we didn't have a whole lot of money either, and uh, my my father wasn't um, he was always working a couple jobs. My mom, you know, was always in and out as well. So we really didn't have a whole lot of structure either. And my parents are from Canada. So we were, you know, they always spoke to us in French. And so we had this like, I guess no one has a normal family, but it wasn't, it wasn't a very, you know, loving kind of setup. So my sister and I had a lot of free reign and so we, we got to, we had a store across the street. We would always run and use our allowance across the street, buy penny candy, you know? So for me, that was my weakness was that kind of candy. It wasn't like cakes or baked goods or anything like that. It was more like the, the sour patch kids. And so growing up eating that stuff. And like I said, we didn't have a whole lot of money. We didn't eat fast food. We didn't grow up on that stuff. We didn't eat out a lot. It was always at home. So we did have, you know, home cooked meals. But it was like home cooked, fried with grease, like yeah. Good, good, like what they call now is comfort food. Yeah. But we had it like all the fucking time. Like that's what we ate because, <laughs> yeah. because they just didn't know any better. Really? Exactly. I mean, if you think about, I think by when you told me, uh, I, I've already figured out your age. So uh, <laughs> you're, 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 we're, we're within, you know, 24 months of each other. Gotcha. So, 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 you know, I, Growing up, our parents, you know, didn't know. And then the fat free uh, craze came through, which is how I lost weight. Right. And looking back, I'm like, I don't really understand how I lost weight. But um, isn't that so weird? It is. is, You know, if you think back that long ago, fat free was the deal. Like if you did fat free, you were going to get skinny and that was it. And it's so ass backwards now it is and, and or, the funny thing is was, i didn't lose weight doing that i only gained it i didn't lose it it's funny how our metabolisms work different right that's why we're yeah. saying one size doesn't fit all right. um so yeah but i think for me what the what set everything off was i was always sick i was always was on some kind of, of antibiotic i had oh. either 
some kind of an upper respiratory problem, um, or it, it usually was, you know, like walking pneumonia or pneumonia or strep throat. I was constantly sick, constantly. And as we know now, what antibiotics do to us, right? And so they don't only kill the good, they kill the bad, or they don't only kill the bad, they kill the good. And we never repaired that. So I was constantly sick, constantly. Let's dive into the to the antibiotics really quick. And the reason I say that is because over the last um, approximately six months, I've had something going on with my microbiome, my gut. And I've, I've tried a whole bunch of different shit. I've taken the biome test, which has recently come back. And one of the things on there was kale that I'm not supposed to eat, like you said earlier. Surprise. <laughs> um, right. And, and so, but I still suffer from some of these, you know, I, I'm still not through it. And my doctor, to your point, gave me three rounds of antibiotics. So now, like, I don't know what the hell's going on down here because right. everything's wiped out. Absolutely. Except Absolutely. for the problem. Yeah, totally get that. And I used to, um, I'm going to let you in on a secret. I guess a lot of secrets are going to come out today. Mm -hmm. um, I used to work for Pfizer. I used to sell Zithromax, erythromycin, which was anywhere from yeah. the five day to the three day to the one day, right? That was Z-Pack. The Z-Pack. Absolutely. Wow. And there was a lot of stuff that I learned in that instance where I was like, oh, okay, well, this explains why I have the issues that I have. Although, you know, they claim that Z-Max is a more targeted spectrum antibiotic. I, I don't think anything really is, uh, no. to be honest with you. But yeah, I was like, wow, okay. After I started selling that, I was like, I'm never taking an antibiotic again because of the stuff that I found out about it. The studies that we had to read, uh, even though we never were allowed to bring them up to the doctors, I knew that stuff. And I was like, you know, there's no way in hell I'm going to be taking another antibiotic. That's hard so, right there. That's hard to go and, 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 and represent a, a product that you deep down inside know it's, I, I, that would be hard for me to do, but I understand, you know, working for a drug company, the money is so good that I, I'm mom. guessing, yeah, which makes it even more appealing. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and 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 almost necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, that's it's. So I'm getting ready to go into medical device sales. Oh, so per, and, and I'll tell you about it in a bit. Don't, don't, let me, don't let me forget. And there's a good reason. It'll tie actually into what we're talking about right now. Is part of the reason I'm so excited about it. Go ahead. That's awesome. And I, I also sold Lipitor. So I know a lot about cardiovascular and I sold that for seven years. And I think that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now, because I know the harmful effects of all these pharmaceutical drugs. And I know that the stuff that they're talking about them is not correct. And they can tweak and twist how these studies come out. Um, so what do you mean, Kate? What do you mean? Can you, can you talk about that really quick? Yeah. So if you look at Lipitor and the, the NHANE study that they have and uh, the Framingham study, uh, there's a lot. Those are the big epidemiological studies that they have out there. Um, Meta-analysis studies, I should say. And what, what, if you look at those, the numbers needed to treat are huge before you actually get benefits from a statin. <laughs> And instead, they tweak the numbers so that they say, you know, like it's 62% effective. I don't know if that's exactly the number. It's been years since I've worked there, but that is what I'm going to say. But really, in fact, when you, tuck, you dive into the numbers needed to treat, 
it was really like one out of 200 before you actually got the benefits of a statin. In the, and, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Where were you I was just going to say, and the reason for that is because they have a third-party testing company or mm-hmm. lab that technically they fund. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I have a hard time with a lot of studies that are out there. A lot of people are telling me, well, what about this study? What about that study? I said, you know what? The studies are in my practice. I see all, that's all the studies I need is what's going on in my practice. I don't need to, to follow these other studies because if you dig deep enough, you definitely know there's some kind of hidden bias behind that. Um, and I don't think there's ever one that you can find that's unbiased. I really don't. And I feel that when it comes to nutrition, you can tweak it any way you want to tweak it. Um, although Lipitor is not nutrition, it's a drug. And I feel that because Pfizer, Lipitor is a number one prescribed drug, um, they have the money to back it up. They have the money to back anything up that they want to show and to twist it the way they want it to. Um, but I know the effects that you can get from that stuff. I mean, it, we all know because you know the FDA requires that they put it on the commercials and it's always, the last one's always death. I don't understand how people still want to take this medication after it says death. And, and that's one of the things I have a hard time with. And that's why I think I do what I do because we have the ability to control our health, turn on and off our genes through nutrition. And I believe wholeheartedly that because I see it all the time in my practice, I have stage four cancer patients. They no longer have it. They call it a miracle. It's all we're doing is removing the interference. We're giving the body the ability to heal. And when you do that, it's an amazing machine. It can do a lot of stuff. It has that innate ability to do that. So that's why I'm so passionate about what I do now because of that past history that I had with the pharmaceutical company. You know something, Kate, and I'm sure you've seen this and, and, or at least heard the story or heard of him, but Dr. Joe Dispenza. I love Dr. Joe Dispenza. I mean, that dude. He's amazing. Yeah. Once you hear his story, like you cannot argue with how the mind and the body repair itself. You can't. You just can't. Yeah. And what I love about his story, because he's a chiropractor. My husband's a chiropractor too. Okay. And I love that that is how we should all be thinking. The innate inside of us has the ability to do if we believe that we're not going to heal we're not going to heal if we believe that we're going to heal we're going to heal so you know i think i wholeheartedly believe that and i think yeah nutrition is information it's you know it gives our body the fuel but i think a lot of that is the mindset that i work on with my clients too because we don't do just nutrition i like to call myself a life coach because we look at everything. We look at the stress, we look at lifestyle, we look at relationships, we look at careers, we look at creativity, joy, social, all of that stuff. It's not just that. I'm so glad that you said that because, you know, when people, I I don't love the term life coach. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the reason I don't like the term is because it has a weird connotation. When somebody looks at life coach, they're like, what? does that mean? And the (laughs) problem is, is, is what it means is exactly what you just described, but you can't tell your client that everything that you just said, because they're not going to understand at their stage where they are, they're not going to understand all that. So you have to, you have to sell them. I'm going to be your nutrition coach. And then after you get them as your nutrition, you have to give, then you have to give them what they need, not what they want. 
Exactly. You know, it's funny you say that because that's how exactly where I start is nutrition. Everything's connected. I believe that, you know, physical activity, relationships, all the stuff that I listed other than nutrition is another form of nutrition for us. It's definitely, it just feeds us on a different level. And so that is just as important to take care of because we can sit there and tell them, don't eat this, eat this, and they're seeing results. But if we don't fix what's going on up here in our head, it's going to keep happening over and over and over again, which is why we see a lot of these yo-yo diets as they call it, because you're not addressing the stress. And that's usually the problem is the underlying stress. So stress can show up in many different forms. A lot of people think good stress is good. It still has the same chemical response within our body. So we still have to address that. So I look at, you know, extensive exercisers because that's stress as well. And that is to an extent, some of it's good. But if you're doing it seven days a week on top of all the other life stresses that we have, it's not good. So we have to address those too. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's, we start with nutrition, but then we look at everything else and, and it depends on how these people's lives are, depends on what direction they take and where they need it the most. Attention contractors of the Successful Life podcast. Want to supercharge your business decisions? We've got something just for you. Head over to our website, SuccessfulLifePodcast.com and click on the free download button to grab your copy of Warning When Hiring a Leadership Coach. Equip yourself with the insights you need to make informed decisions for your business. Don't miss out. For sure, because yeah. as you said, you know, it starts in the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if there's, you know, let, let's just take sugar. You know, you and I both know that sugar, uh, it, there's uh, scientific facts that back up that sugar is just as bad is heroin and cocaine. It's actually think, worse. think about right. Think yeah. about that, Kate. Worse than fucking heroin and cocaine, the two Absolutely. worst drugs that you can put in your fucking body that are illegal. Sugar's worse than that. I know, and it's and it's not illegal. Sugar is not no. illegal. And there's actually studies that show that dopamine it reacts it, it activates the dopamine receptors ten times faster than cocaine. You know, so it's that much more satisfying because we get an instant dopamine release versus, you know, the cocaine, it takes a little bit longer. So, you know, it's, and I just released a thing on sugar today. That's funny that you brought that up. You know, I, we are addicted to sugar and there's no doubt about it. It's real. I get people that, and I'm sure you do too, that come to me and I'm addicted to sugar. It's like, well, well, guess what, honey? We all are, (laughs) you know, that's why I think it's best to get rid of. I have not had sugar in seven years. I have not had grains in seven years and I don't miss it. I mean, let me tell you, it wasn't a piece of cake. It took a long, no pun intended. (laughs) It took a long time. (laughs) It wasn't an easy walk in the park. Let me tell you. Um, it took a long time, but my health, I had to, I had to stop cold turkey and it took, you know, eight, eight months before I could even go eat with somebody or, you know, be out in public because I wanted that so bad. Um, and I just, it was a deadly consequence for me, so I couldn't do it. So my story is a little different in that aspect. I can totally respect where people are at and we just do it slowly versus sure. turkey like I did. <laughs> so why, why, why was sugar so, you know, such an important thing for you to cut out Uh, other than the weight factor, which I'm assuming at that point you didn't have the weight factor. I didn't. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. So tell us what, what, why do you know Dr. Amen, by the way? Do you know who yes, Dr. I love Dr. Amen. I love him. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. He his really wife is, is too. <laughs> I don't, I don't know his wife, but, but, but he's, fuck, he's phenomenal. He's, anyway, he is phenomenal. Go, so um, tell us sugar. So, yeah. So sugar, I, well, let's, let me back up just a little bit more then. Um, so after having all those bouts of antibiotics and have all through my young adult years, I was always not a hundred percent, but I also got in a car accident that broke my pelvis on both sides. Okay. So that was when I was 18. It was a couple months after I had my son. Oh, oh hang on. 18, a couple of months after you had your son, you had your son at what age? 18. So I had him in December when I was 18. And then two months later, I got into a severe car accident and broke my pelvis. Holy shit. That is a lot for an 18 year old young lady. So I had two babies, <laughs> two babies. I one at 14, one at 18. Time and out. Then... What? <laughs> okay. Yes. We're, we're going to scroll back even further because <laughs> I thought I was shocked at the one at 18, but you just said you had your first child at 14. Correct. Hey, what in the hell? Like what, <laughs> what, what, what tell, okay. I'm from tell. Maine. I'm from Maine. <laughs> <laughs> There's and nothing it just, up there but make babies and drink. <laughs> well, um, I'm from Mayberry, so <laughs> you <laughs> it's got not it. much different. Yep. <laughs> um, so, so it was with with my children's the the father of the babies um, from 14 to 24. We were together for 10 years. Um, we tried to make it work, <laughs> but we both had had he, he was just a year and a half older than me. Um, so we had my daughter and our daughter and, um, yeah, it was kind of scary. Um, but we all, the whole, all the families rallied together and, um, his mother was a saint. She was an angel. We moved in with her, um, until we were old enough to get our own apartment. I mean, cause at that age you can't have your own apartment, right? Cause you can't drive hardly. Uh, hardly. <laughs> I couldn't, <laughs> he could, but I couldn't, um, so we moved in with her and she helped. So I was going to night school. He went to day school and then he worked at night. So we, you know, just kind of, I took care of the baby during the day. And so she helped babysit at night when the baby was going to bed, when my daughter was going to bed. Um, so that's kind of what we did through high school. And then. Um, Kate, with- let me, let me stop you really quick. So like, <laughs> I just think about that and like, you really didn't have a, obviously did not have a normal high school experience whatsoever no I did not I did Do you not. think about that do you think about how that could have affected you do you think that maybe yeah. you you know how how did how did that affect you moving forward I found out who my friends were pretty damn quick um, yeah and I still to this day talk to one of them we still talk to each other we see each other maybe once or twice every other year uh, absolutely adore her. And my kids call her mama too. <laughs> That's their second mom. Um, yeah, I, I, it, I definitely know that it did affect my, it, well, there's another twist to the story. My sister who was a year older than me also got pregnant. What? <laughs> yeah. So it was like trying times for the whole family. I remember like it was yesterday when I had to tell my dad, my parents were separated at this time. And I remember he was in the kitchen cooking spaghetti and he just kind of chucked the spoon at the wall and the spaghetti sauce went everywhere. And he was livid. I was so mad. Um, And, you know, he being raised Catholic, 
you know, he was, he was like, oh, you, you know, you're going to have to have an abortion and you're never going to see this guy again. And obviously he was speaking out of anger and fear and didn't know. I mean, he absolutely adores those kids. Like he, he does anything for them now. Um, obviously we kept the babies <laughs> and we raised them. Um, but yeah, he, it was tough. I mean, I can't even imagine if, I mean, my kids have broken the cycle. You know, my, my daughter's going to be 30 and my son's 26 and they don't have babies. So they've broken the cycle, which is great. Uh, so I think I did something right there and they're alive. So I, I feel I did, the right, I did something right. right. Um, but it, it, I definitely didn't have the normal high school years of partying and, you know, going out and staying out late and raising hell like everybody else did. And I certainly didn't have the same college experience either. You know, um, the kids basically lived on college campus with me. I mean, we had our own apartment, but for study groups and all of that, they were there with me. The campus knew who they were and everybody on campus. It was a small school that I went to and everybody loved them. And I remember when I walked down to get my degree, my daughter said, we should be walking down that aisle with you. Those kids never once, never once rolled their eyes, slammed the door, mouth back to me. They helped out so much. They were angels absolute angels. They had to grow up quick too. Cause I was working full time raising them by myself. At that time I had been separated, divorced from their dad and I was going to school full time. So I had a friend move in with me and she was in the same degree program as me. Um, rent free. She watched the kids while I worked at night. And you know, there were, I was, I literally, Corey was only getting three or four hours of sleep a night. That's all I was getting for years. Um, so yeah, it people was... talk about the grind and like that's truly the yeah. grind. I mean, that's hard fucking core right there. It was hard. It was hard. And and then in the midst of all that, I was dealing with this injury from my car accident. I dealt with that <sighs> up until seven years ago. I was in pain every day from if you were to put on a pain scale, I was never below five, ten being the worst. I was never below five. And they were telling me, basically, I was waking up with bloody noses. I had migraines. And they were telling me it was all in my head, literally. That's what they said. Um, but I would go get MRIs because they wanted to make sure there's no tumors. There was no tumors. Um, so dealing with this pain, I'd go for a run. I wouldn't be able to walk for weeks. I would crawl to the kitchen to get my kids ready for school. Um, I couldn't walk upstairs. Uh, there were mornings that I'd get out of bed and I'd fall flat on my face because my hips were numb. My legs were numb from sleeping on my side. I mean, it was just something I had to deal with for 19 years and didn't think anything of it. And I was just like, okay, this is just going to be my life. You know, they wanted me to take pain medications and I was like, nope, not doing that. Um, so that was something that I had to mentally push through every day of my life, every day. And one of the things that, uh, you know, the kids, I, I mean, I can just only imagine what I put them through. <laughs> I, I guess that's why I don't tell the story that often because I look, I think about that, you know, like a kid seeing their mom crawling to the kitchen or. Better you know. hit. No, no, what Kate, you're looking at this the wrong way. They're, <laughs> they, they, you're looking at it like they, they're, th this is just me outside looking in that you, I think that you think that they think less of you and maybe they oh. look at you and they're like, she's a fucking warrior. Like <laughs> oh, she's so. <laughs> like, like, like she's my, she's the person I look up to because no matter what she gets shit done. Well, you know, I think you're right because I, I don't ever think of them thinking that I'm less of, the, of a person, but I do see it in them now. Like 
they, they're young. They should be living life. They're in their, you know, twenties. My daughter's going to be 30, but they work all the time. I'm like, Oh, that's gotta be my fault. They should be like enjoying life and having fun and traveling and, <laughs> you know, but they're workaholics like I was at that point in time. Well, I'm just are they doing what they, um, are they, they doing what they love? Um, they like, they're doing what they like, not what they love. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, is it, is it, is yeah. it, do they both have good jobs? They do. They do. Okay. Um, they're finding their own way. They're finding their path, which I love. You know, they, they have to figure it out. Here I am. I think I'm 44. Um, <laughs> I think that's what I am. That was the I mean, math idea. Like, okay. <laughs> I think I'm 44. And I'm just figuring it out myself. I mean, I'm just figuring out the balance, you know, the balance of life and relationships and business and all of that too. So I know they're going to find their own way because they're a hell of a lot smarter than I was. Uh, so I'm so excited to see their lives unfold. And I'm so proud of them too. It, it's been, you know, we used to laugh. Um, my daughter and I would say that we'd be in the nursing homes together. Cause I always say, you know what, you're going to be changing my diaper when I'm getting right. older. And she's like, no, we're going to be the nursing home together. Cause we're so close in age. Right. <laughs> so we kind of laugh. That's kind of the joke for us together to do that. Cause I, we always say, you know, our kids are the ones that are going to change our diaper when we get older. She says, no, she says, hell no. She says, we're going to be in the nursing home. (laughs) So funny. It is funny. So yeah, it was quite the, quite the learning curve to have to kind of grow up really fast. Um, The way I say it now is I can party responsibly, even though I don't drink now. Um, But I did, there was a short period of time that I did, but in the midst of all the healing, this is all the stuff that I've kind of figured out was, you know, there was that healing of you know, being pregnant at the age of 14, I had family members tell me that I was never going to amount to anything. So I used that as a huge motivation. Um, and it, I proved them wrong. I went to college. I had a good job, you know, paying some good money when I was doing the pharmaceuticals. And even though I didn't agree with them, um, I was a single mom. It was putting food on my kids, on the, in my kid's mouth, a roof over my head. I was looking at it at that aspect. Um, and a lot of the doctors will tell you that I always preach diet and exercise first. It's like, do your diet and exercise first before you prescribe any of this. And, you know, they still, I still see them occasionally around and they tell me like, you're the only one that ever said that. And I was like, well, that's what the package insert says. That's the only way it made myself feel good about selling that stuff. Sure. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was, but when I look back at all of that, I mean, it's just kind of like, wow, there's a lot of a lot of things that I did overcome and it totally did make me the person that I am today. And I know there's somebody out there that probably needs to hear this. This is probably why it's coming out. Um, I don't tell it often, but when I do, I I don't mind talking about it. It's not like it's a a secret, a hush hush secret I like to keep. It's just sometimes it's uncomfortable talking about it because you don't, who has a baby at 14? (laughs) You know, who, not too many people. No, but there's probably hundreds of thousands of people that do. And I hope that just one of those people hear this story Yeah, because you're a great example of making a decision that could, that did change the course of your life, but it didn't change it for the worst. No, it changed it for the better, which is fun. I mean, that in itself is such a phenomenal, phenomenally powerful story. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine having a child at 14. I can't so- I barely imagine having a baby now. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> like my brother just had a baby and I'm like, she's cute. But like, I, I, I'm not down to stay up all night changing diapers. I exactly. just, I, I just not, 
and not in my wheelhouse right now. It's another job. Absolutely. And what's interesting is I always thought that I was going to be a motivational speaker in that aspect, you know, to help people that do have babies at, at a young age. Um, and why aren't you? You know, I, cause I'm so much more passionate about the nutrition that, you know, that's the route that I go. Um, but I, I've never, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say never. I have yet to bump into somebody that has that, that need of, okay, what do I do? Um, you know, I'm scared. I'm young. I don't have support at home kind of thing. Um, but I definitely would love to. Well, Kate, I mean, how many people like that are really going to reach out? I meaning, meaning, I mean, they're not going to put on Facebook. I'm scared to death. I'm 14. I'm pregnant. What the fuck am I going to do? However, the more you tell the story and the more people hear that somebody's going to hear it and they're going to be able to, to direct message you and say, yeah, I'm really struggling. That's true. And and you could start a Facebook group saying, Hey, here's a Facebook group, you know, put it out and talk about, Hey, this is what I went through. If you're struggling with this, you're more than welcome to join and we can all help each other. And I guarantee you'll see it grow, Kate. I probably would. You're probably right. It's probably more prevalent than I know, than I think, um, you know, that I'm sure there's a lot of, because, well, here, I think about it, I went to a special school. It was uh, teen parent education is what it was called. And women that are young women that had babies that needed to finish their degree went there. I went there just when I was pregnant. And then I ended up going to night school uh, just because being in eighth grade, you don't want to walk around with a belly in high school. <laughs> That's just, yeah, it was so uncomfortable. And that's something I wanted to do. Uh, so I ended up going to this, you know, teen parent education, they called it TPE. And uh, we went, I went there just for my pregnancy term. And then after that, I went to night school and finished my how, degree. That way. How many people were in that TPE? We had, I, at the time that I was there, I want to say probably about 10 people. So that was a long time ago when this was far less prevalent than it would be now. So do you, don't you think they probably have those very schools now? I would think so. I know that they had a reunion. They asked my sister to go. Uh, so she went. She she went and saw some of the people that we had gone to school with. Because my sister wasn't one of those girls as well. Because we were, as you know, pregnant at the same time. <laughs> right, right. Um, so she was there with me, which was great. I mean, we, we've been through a lot. She's like my best friend. So I, you know, I, I love that path with her. Um, so yeah, she went and she said it was quite emotional going in there to see everybody. And I had totally forgot that we went to that school. You know, I, it's almost like I've, I've forgotten that chapter of my life and have moved on. Um, which is kind of interesting now that you know, now that we're talking about that, it's like, wow, that's kind of, I kind of let that one go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's something there that, that you need to potentially explore. Yeah. Because you know, if- I think you would get so, I don't think, I know, because I, I've had this happen, it, you know, helping, I've been sober for over 10 years. So when I get to, somebody reaches out to me this random and they're struggling and I'm able to help them through whatever it is they're going through and they don't pick up that drink that day. And I'm not, you know, I don't know if you know the whole story and I'm not, I don't, I'm, I won't go through it because I've been tough told it a million times on here. Um, but essentially I don't attend AA anymore. So I don't have those interactions a lot, but when I do, 
It's very powerful. Or yeah. if somebody asks me, you know, whatever, if it's anything that I can help them with, it does give me a sense of joy. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. And I, maybe that is, everyone's telling me I need to write a book. Maybe that's what I need to write my book about. <laughs> there you go. What better time than now? I know, right? Because we're stuck inside. <laughs> I'll tell you what I did for my book. And I haven't published it yet, but I'll tell you what I did. Oh, I, 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 I talked into the microphone and it, and it, it recorded or it on the wow. screen because for me to write out everything, like I, it, it, I, it feels like I had a bullet in my head. Like I, yeah. I don't, I don't want it. And so yeah. I did that. It didn't work great, but it was a hell of a great start. Awesome. So I was able to go in then and fix all the dumbass typos because of my accent. I don't have <laughs> an accent. Sorry. I have an accent and it doesn't even do it for me. <laughs> so I'm sure there's better ones out than what I used. I don't even remember what it was. But but that's how I did it, Kate. And I just that's really, awesome. I just sat here and I just talked about shit that, you know, that, that's in your brain that you know and that you may think doesn't matter, but is hugely impactful for somebody else. So. You know, just think about this whole conversation. You'll have this recorded. Um, You know, this is a great start. Yeah, it is. You know, that's that's awesome. I mean, that feels better than writing a nutrition book right now because I have so much stuff up here. Right. (laughs) It's like, where do I start? (laughs) Right. That's a great... That's yeah. awesome. Well, I appreciate that. You should totally That's, do that. Definitely That's got a, my, my, my wheels turning here. Yeah. You know, hey, whatever <laughs> I can do to help. So, so, so 24 years old, you, you'd had two children, you finished college, you finished high school. Did you finish college by that point? I did. I, I graduated college even a year earlier than so graduated high school a year early and I finished college a year early. Um, and then I went to work for the pharmaceutical company and that one, that, that was the same, like I said, that was like 19 years of, you know, pain and just dealing with the bloody noses and just, you know, putting my kids first and just making sure that, you know, they had a roof over their head and doing everything I had to do. Sometimes I had to work two jobs. Um, you know, it was just whatever I could do to, to get them, you know, to, to be healthy and have a safe place. So then after that, um, well, hang on. What what was yeah. causing the bloody noses? Did we ever go? Did, well, we're gonna find. We're, we're, we're getting there. Okay, getting sorry. There. Okay, great. That's quite great, all right. Great. So, um, so at eighteen, when my when my daughter turned eighteen, she moved out with her boyfriend, who is now her husband, uh, and my son decided he wanted to go live with his dad. And it was I thought I had at least another couple of years with him before that happened. And so when there's a point in, in a boy's life when he needs his dad. And so I was not going to be the one I let him decide. I said, well, okay. I even went and hiked the grand Canyon just to, to say, okay, you know what this, I need some, some guidance here. Cause selfishly, I don't want him to go. And then, then there's a part of me like, well, it's not about me. It's about what Duncan needs. My son So like, it's what he needs. And so I got, I came back and I sat with him and I said, okay, this is, this is the deal. You know, I don't want you to go, but I'm going to let you go. And this still chokes me up. Um, I said, but if, if it doesn't go the way you want it to go there, you're not coming back unless your life is being threatened. And then of course you're coming back. But if you're being disciplined by your dad because of you're doing some teenager thing, it's not gonna, that's not the reason um, for you to come back. And so we kept, usually they, they would live with me during the school year and their dad with us in the summer. Uh, So we just reversed roles. He lived with his dad during the school year and me in the summer. And, um, 
that was like the toughest part of my year. Like, so now all of a sudden I'm empty nester and everybody's gone. I'm like, Oh no, what do I do? And this is where a lot of stuff, uh, instead of sitting with myself and figuring out myself, I filled up my time. So cause I was going to college and then I had the kids. I, I kept it once the kids were gone. Um, not totally gone, but they were uh, on their own. I still worked two jobs. I would only come home and sleep for an hour or two. I'd go hike, you know, three, 4,000 footers in a weekend. I'd come home, sleep for two hours, go bartend. I mean, I didn't stop. I was constantly going. And I did that for years until about seven years ago. I met this, this awesome man who now is my husband. I met him at a race. We were at a snowshoe race and it was his first snowshoe shoe race and my first snowshoe race. And like, hold on, snowshoe, you. like the brackets on the bottom of your foot. Shoe? Yes. And oh. Did you know, Corey, that there is special running snowshoes? So they're thinner and lighter. So if you try running with your mountaineering ones, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's disaster if you try that. Well, it's disaster even if you try the running ones. It's just some contraptions on the bottom of your feet. While what, do you, what do you mean? I, uh, this is so new to me. I've never yeah. talked to a human <laughs> being that has ever walked with snow, like those type snowshoes ever in my life. So enlighten me a little bit more. What do you mean? So they're, um, so mountaineering snowshoes, they usually have like, they're pretty wide so it allows you to have like a pack, a heavy pack. So they're, they're bigger because you want to stay above the snow and they usually have like teeth underneath them along the edges. And they also have them underneath your actual footbed because they're called crampons. So it just kind of like bites into the snow and the ice. So these ones are the running ones are very narrow. Um, they also have teeth underneath the feet, but that's it. They don't have them along the edges. So they're very narrow and light. They're, they're almost uh, to the point where you don't really know that they're on the bottom of your feet unless you step on it when you're trying to run and you trip, <laughs> which oh, does happen. So you kind of have to change your gait when you're running with them. You know, your little wider stance when you're running. Because yeah. um, they're ever so slightly wider than your feet. Uh, so... So, How hard is that to run like with hard. those fucking things on? It is so hard. It's hard to even hike with them on. Like my first few hikes with them, when we go hike these big mountains with them, I fall. Uh, so as you can imagine, when you're trying to run with them, the first few races you do, you're pretty klutzy. Um, I bet so, yeah, your lower was, body is destroyed after that. I couldn't walk for, because mind you, remember every time I ran, just ran, I couldn't walk. After that, I hurt so bad like you want to talk about falling out of bed the next day that's exactly what happened and um, it was worth it to you. that was mm. so it was worth going in mm. why but why what part well, of it made it worth it okay we're getting there I believe it was uh running and from myself and not really dealing with what was going on inside um yeah. inside my head and a lot of the um Things that we as humans, when we want to have a lot of growth, we kind of stuff and instead of dealing with that to grow more and I was stuffing and I believe this was the way of doing that. And a lot of it is self-sabotaging. It shows up multiple ways in my life as far as self-sabotaging goes. So this is definitely looking back, doing all the healing that I've done now, definitely a self-sabotaging, you know. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, behavior. Sure, <laughs> so. Sure. 
Um, so I'd gone to this race and, and my now husband was there too. And we, you know, we hit it off. We started talking and one of my race directors said to me, he's like, so how many days are you not going to walk after this? Cause he knew the whole thing. And, and my husband, David's like, what does he mean by that? And we started talking. He goes, well, that's not normal. And I didn't know he was a chiropractor at the time. Um, but we, we started talking and he found me on Facebook and we just kept talking and next thing you know, we started dating and he all along kept trying to get me on his table. He's like, let me adjust you. Let me adjust you. I'm like, you're not touching me. Like I was not a believer of chiropractic because I don't like cracking of bones. Like if you sit there and crack your fingers, I get really grossed out. I don't like that sound. And he's like, stop being a candy ass. He goes, there's other ways to adjust you. I don't have to crack you that one. I was like, no, you're not touching. And so, um, it took him a long time to get me on his table. When he did, he actually made it worse. I was so mad at him. He's like, just, he goes, just stick with it. Just stick with it three times a week for the month. Just give me a month. And sure shit, uh, not almost, it was almost 30 days. I woke up one morning, no pain at all. Now, if I don't know if you remember, but I said I always lived with something, you know, five to 10. I woke up that morning with nothing, like zero. And I was like, oh God, what's wrong? what happened. And, you know, it took me, I want to say probably about a week before I actually told him that, it, cause I was expecting it to come back. It didn't come back. And so when I finally told him, he was like, Oh, that's awesome. And, and in the midst of all this, my headaches were still there, but no bloody noses, no more bloody noses. Um, and I was getting headaches still on a regular basis and, and migraines were far and less far and few between, but I was still getting them. And so um, we decided to dig a little deeper into healing. And he actually introduced me to Mike Dooley, Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipman, all of these, you know, amazing thought leaders when it comes to, you know, um, just changing your mindset, all different, these all different levels. And um, Wayne Dyer was another one. So I just dove into all of these books and, while I was doing that, and, and mind you, I was an athlete, so I've always ate healthy, so I thought, and I ate more, mostly vegetarian. I, actually, at this point, I was vegan, and then, um, and then I would, but I would have, I guess, pescatarian, because I'd have fish every now and then, and then I was like, okay, I got to start digging a little deeper, so I started doing a lot of research, and I said, okay, I'm going to try the GAPS diet. I'm going to just do the elimination the the GAPS diet. So that is an elimination upon elimination for most people. And it's all about healing your gut and taking everything out that causes, you know, issues. Basically. Okay. You definitely got to dive deeper into this because I need to hear this. Badly. Yeah. Okay. So basically what you do is you go on bone broth for two to three weeks, basically. Just, bone, Just broth. bone broth. Just bone broth. So I did that. And then you start adding things in slowly. Like you start with egg whites. You put that into your bone broth and see if you can do that. Well, when I was doing that, I was getting hives. I was getting headaches, um, my, you know, migraines, stomach aches. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm, I can't have egg whites. So then they want you to do egg yolks. So then I put egg yolks in. Oh my gosh, the reaction was even worse. So then they wanted you to do things like squashes, things that were less irritable for most people because they're less oxalates, less lectins, things like that, that are very um, harmful to our bodies for people that have autoimmune diseases. Um, so I, I went with squashes. I, I was able to eat them, but it wasn't, it was like, 
like someone had punched me in the gut. That's the, I didn't have bloody noses. I didn't have highs. So I was like, well, that's the least amount of reactions that I have. So I'm just going to stick with that. So like it was a, a, a bloat, it was a pain. It was a, it was like a, a, sh- a sharp pain or dull yeah. or what? Depending on how much I had. So it was, you know, sometimes I ate so much cause I was so hungry that it felt like a sharp pain. Uh, it got to the point where I was orange from all the keratin, you know, from, from having, it was butternut squash is what I started having a lot of. Um, you turned you turn orange? I had some, I had orange, I had like <laughs> well, orange hue. No. <laughs> That's how much I had. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I take, well, I take, well, the reason it's funny because I take, I, I take a thing, a peptide called melanotan. Do you know okay. what that is? Yeah. So, uh, and so when you take too much of it, you turn fucking orange. You look like an Oopa Loopa. <laughs> so it's a f- very fine line. So that's hilarious. That is hilarious. That is hilarious. Uh, so yeah. So I, then, um, then I ended up anything else I added after that, I'd have a reaction to. It got to the point where, um, when I first met my husband, I was 150 pounds, and at this point, I ended up being like 110, 114. I was right on there, and and I was still working out. I was still doing CrossFit. I was still climbing, rock climbing. I was still running. I was doing everything that I normally do. On and, the bone. On, and by the way, how many times a day were you eating that? Oh, I was drinking it all day. Oh, because I was oh, okay. so, so hungry. Okay, so there wasn't, so there wasn't a, a limit on how much you could have. No, you could have as much as you wanted when you were hungry, just to have it. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> so yeah this is the second time by the way somebody's had to tell me this so clearly there's something here yeah yeah I feel that it's very beneficial for a lot of my clients I've done it with them it was great but there's something for me that I had to go a little deeper so what I ended up doing was I went and did the Gerson's therapy which is just all juicing and you have like eight juices a day um they believe in having some white potato, boiled white potatoes after you let them cool down. I couldn't even have sugar. I couldn't have anything that had sugar. I had a reaction to, and this is where I started figuring this out. So my husband sat me down. He never tells me anything. He's, he never tells me to do anything, but he did. He goes, you're buying a juicer. You're going to do that. I read the Gerson's therapy book. It's like this big, it's over 500 pages. I read it in one night. I did not go to bed. I finished it because whatever they were saying rang so true to me. I was like, this is it. This is it. You know, this is going to be my healing. And so the first juice I had, Corey, it was, I remember that, like it was yesterday. I was on the floor in the kitchen. It looked like I had just jumped out of the shower. I was sweating. I was writhing in pain. I was curled up on the floor. I was like, oh my God, this hurts so bad. And my body was so undernourished to begin with. But what I found is I took out the apple, the pain went away. Then I put in carrots. Well, guess what? There was pain. And then I was like, okay, so what's the problem? It's, it's got to be the sugar. And so I took everything out that had sugar in it. So anything that had a little least amount of sugar, it came out. And then um, I started doing just like green vegetables and a little bit of acidity. I was still having some pain. And then I was like, oh, maybe I need to do organic. And, and that's where most of the pain went away was when I went mm. organic. No so way. it could be the pesticides. I don't know. I don't know fully because I never, I lost all faith in the medical community and I don't mean to offend anybody in that. No, I, I get it. They told me I was, 
I just need to take pain medications and they didn't want to dig to the bottom of it. So I had to do this all on my own. Um, so I did Gerson's for about eight months. Let me tell you, that was so expensive because I had about eight juices a day. It was ridiculous. Trust me, I've juiced. I, I can't, I don't even know how you did that because oh. I would have to go to the store for a week and I would spend not organic. I would be spending probably $300 a week on fucking vet one. And then two, where the fuck do you put them all? Exactly. Because you exactly. have to buy like pounds of shit. <laughs> I always get that comment of, do you have rabbits? Right. <laughs> right. Like what the fuck are you doing with a hundred cucumbers? Like what is, you just really like cucumbers. I'm like, it's so, so sort true. Of. <laughs> it's so true. And, and, I kid you not, Corey. I mean, I was having eight a day. Um, so we, I was spending like thousands of dollars a week is yeah. what I was doing. Oh yeah. Um, but I was seeing a change, like everything, every time I did something, I always saw a benefit to it. That's why I continued to do it. And then it got, I got, I'd get to this point where I'd get good and then I just stay there. I'd hit this plateau and I'm like, okay, so what's next? What am I missing? And, um, so I started having like nuts and I started having avocados, like started introducing some fats. Those resonated really well with me. Um, and this is where I started gaining a little bit of weight back. Cause now I have got some, a little bit of carbs and fat, right? So I'm like, oh, this is great. So now I'm starting to gain some weight back. Um, I did, I looked, I look at pictures. I was so emaciated. I mean, like my face was sunken in and I just didn't look healthy at all. And, um, so I'm glad that that's over. <laughs> and then I went to, um, keto and I did, but I did vegetarian keto. So I would, I would still have, uh, well, I did autoimmune paleo. <laughs> I did, I tried a lot of other things first before I went to vegetarian keto. And then, um, I did that for five years. I did the vegetarian keto for five years and I very, I call myself a vegetarian keto because I couldn't eat eggs still. Um, if I did, I paid the price. So it was very rare that I'd have an egg. Uh, and then I would also have fish here and there because I'm all about not having all that toxicity and trying to keep the metal toxicity very low. Yeah. The mercury. So, yeah. So I stayed away from that. I'd have that occasionally. Um, and when I say occasionally, it's the true occasion. It's like once or twice a year. It wasn't like wow. once a month or once every other week. It was like once or twice a year. And then, um, the other, the other thing was, uh, I'd occasionally, when I really craved meat, it would be burger. I, it's the only thing I could eat because I didn't like the texture of meat in my teeth. So I was like, oh, I can do burger and I can cook it till it's burnt and it, there's no pink in it and I can eat that. <laughs> so that's what I would do. And that was either once or twice out of the year or two. Um, so I kept healing. I kept getting better. I was able to, to do everything that I needed, but there was still that underlying, I still had headaches. I still, you know, I just couldn't get that. And then obviously, you know, I'm a female, so female monthly issues were still an issue. And I was like, okay, this should be getting better. When we're eating healthy, this stuff should be getting better. So. Well, especially at that low uh, weight that you were, I don't know how yeah. tall you are, but still 110 still, it's a pretty, you know, I mean, because once you get to a certain body that percentage, most uh, women stop having it. a period. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't, I kept going, which was like, Oh, um, so at this point when I went vegetarian keto, I was back up to 140 pounds and that's where I feel like I was the most comfortable and I loved that. And that's where I stayed. Now, mind you, seven years ago when I had first started my journey, I was 150 pounds. Right. Um, 
and I have always been able to, everybody always says I looked very muscular. I, I was able to just distribute it very well. Um, and so I think most of it was my chest, but <laughs> I don't know who knows, but you know, I was 150 and now, um, now I'm 130. So when I started my vegetarian way of eating keto, I ended up getting some weight and I stayed at 140 and that's where I always functioned at. And I was, I always felt good. But like I said, there was still some underlying, I, I had, you know, bloating still. Um, I, but it was very rare and I just couldn't pinpoint what it was. I'm like, what is going on? There's still some things that I'm eating. And at this point, like I said, you know, you can't, I, I didn't do dirty keto. I didn't do, you know, like fast food stuff. I didn't do dairy. I didn't do that stuff. So it's not like I was doing dirty keto. I was doing clean keto. So then I fell upon uh, Jordan Peterson and Michaela Peterson and they started talking about, um, you know, the carnivore diet. And so I was like, okay, I maybe, you know, so I started doing some research on it, did research for probably about eight to nine months. I put a couple of my clients on it that had autoimmune diseases. So, and I normally never tell my clients to do stuff that I've never done before. Right. And so, and I then put it, my daughter on it. She's lost over like 85 pounds and she's totally, uh, God, she's totally changed, which is amazing. Um, but all these people that I put on, they had miracles. Right. And I was like, okay, there's something to this. And so I started digging into the oxalates and the lectins deeper and how a lot of these other chemicals or nutrients that people call are chemicals for some people that have autoimmune diseases. Now, I, remember, I don't know what I had. I just know that I was having reactions. So obviously it was an autoimmune, but we just don't know what. And if I think we were to go and have a look at it, it was probably Crohn's. If anybody was to say that it was either Crohn's, maybe with some lime, you know, maybe I had a little bit of lime in there. And so, um, I went to carnivore within seven days. Holy cow. Like the first day I was like, Whoa, what's going on? I thought I couldn't get any better. I was like, Whoa, mental clarity. Hello. Um, and then seven days later, my gums stopped bleeding. My gums have always bled and not just like lightly bled when I flossed or brushed my teeth. It was like someone punched me in the mouth. I came out of that bathroom. Like like, oh my God, my gums aren't bleeding. And my husband was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? He had no idea that my gums would bleed. And I was like, my, since I was a teenager, my gums always bled. Now my he, gums he are not bleeding. didn't know that? We never brushed our teeth in the same room. You know, like we were just always. On purpose, but, clearly. Probably, yeah. I mean, subconsciously, I probably did well, Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. And so uh, I came out, I was like, oh, my gums aren't bleeding. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. And, and you know, that's. <laughs> He's like, okay. Great. That's <laughs> wonderful. I mean, this sounds pretty so normal. Funny, right. And then two weeks later, I noticed that there's no more hair at the bottom of the shower. I don't have to clean out the drain anymore. Because your with, hair it was, was falling out. It was falling out. It was so baby fine. And um, it still is kind of fine, but I have more hair than I've ever had in my whole life. And my husband will say it too. He's like, wow, your hair's gotten thicker. And I was like, I know, isn't this awesome? <laughs> um, it's, it's just crazy. Like even all the small little things are growing in. I've never had these little peach buds before. It's, it's crazy. Like everything is coming to life. I mean, my brain, I don't have um, the issues that I used to have when it's that time of the month anymore. Like uh, the mood swings, the, the, what we call the dragon, you know, <laughs> most people are like stay away from her. Um, 
that stuff is gone. And the only thing that still remains is a migraine before one or two days before. That's still the only thing that, but my migraines only show up with that. They don't show up after I eat things. Um, I, I, I'm at day, day 200 and almost 230 carnivore. And I tried at 150, day 150, I tried one mushroom. My legs were on fire afterwards. I got, you know, um, hives from that. And then I tried a sweet potato. I got a migraine and hives. And then I tried um, just the other day, actually, a week ago, I tried some um, butternut squash and I have hives on, on my legs that, the, well, the, what's left of them on my legs from having that. So there's still, there's some healing going on and, and it's huge, which is great. Um, so I plan on staying this way for a little bit longer. So it's just all about the healing of the gut is every time, every step that I did, it healed it more. And this is the elimination of all eliminations doing just meat. That's all I have. I don't do anything other than that. And it's just been a life changer for me, a big time life changer. And I don't think, I don't think I have any plans of changing right now because it, it's clear that I still have some healing to do. But so, it's, uh, yeah, Kate. So, okay. So, uh, I, obviously, you know who Sean Baker is. I've interviewed him. He's awesome. I've so, been to his house. I, <laughs> yeah, I've, I have interviewed him as well. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, you did go to his house? <laughs> I did. I, it was the day his book came out. I got to see him. I was interviewing him for my podcast at his house because I was out visiting my son in LA. And so he's like, yeah, just come over to the house. We'll do it here. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I went to his house. It was beautiful. They had just moved in. So I'll good. have to ask you a question whenever we get, whenever we get off the air. Because where he works out, it looks like it's literally like a shit, shithole dungeon basement. It's his garage. <laughs> I mean, literally, I, I sit there and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, this is like the shittiest gym ever. And like, I just don't understand. Oh, that's awesome. It's his yeah. garage. Yeah. Okay. So that's so interesting. Um, yeah. We'll talk. We can talk more about that off camera. So Absolutely. what do you, what do you, so, so walk me through your daily. I know what he eats. Yes. Yeah. So I do a little different than, than Dr. Baker because he doesn't believe in the eat nose to tail. Um, I eat more like Dr. Paul Saladino. Um, so I do everything that is animal based is great. So I, but the way I look at it is nutrient density. And I start with, you know, the very tippy top. When I look at protein, the most dense protein is your oysters and then your mollusks. And then you look at, you know, your, your organ meats, then there's the egg, and then there's your muscle meat, and then there's your ground beef, and then your chicken and your turkey and, you know, pork is down at the bottom. Um, so that's how I eat. So I don't eat any chicken, I don't eat turkey, I don't eat pork. I don't eat any of that stuff. I eat okay. everything above. And so... Okay. I've never heard anybody break it down like that. So that's why you see me looking a little confused because I'm yeah. like, what the hell is she talking about? <laughs> um, yeah. So, 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 okay, so... When you say oyster, literally an oyster, is that what you mean? Okay. Yeah, so, literally an oyster. And, and okay. it's better raw, obviously. Okay. Yeah. So you have oysters. Yep. Okay. So I do oysters. And we usually do that once or twice a month. We'll go out for oysters, my husband and I, and just do a date night. Because we don't raw. go out to eat. Yep. We'll go and have it raw. But you, you could buy them at the store raw if yeah, you wanted you to. You could. And I don't know about you guys, but here we don't have a whole lot of um, – 
wild caught, they're usually farm raised. And believe it or not, there's a lot of oysters out there that are farm raised. And um, what is there a big difference? For me, there is. So this is why people call me the food Nazi. <laughs> Um, they're not in their natural environment. They're not fed the natural foods that they're supposed to be fed. It's kind of like the wild caught salmon versus the farm raised salmon, right? They're being pumped full of stuff that they shouldn't have. And when you're eating those oysters, you can taste the difference too. They're more gamey or tasting. They're more, uh. yeah. So this is totally different in that aspect. I don't know what they're feeding them. I don't know how these fisheries are handled as far as the mollusks go. And so, but for me, I'd rather not anything that humans touch. I just don't want to even. Sure. But you could. You could. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So, so oysters, what else? So oysters I'll do occasionally. So, but typically every day I'll have um, my grocery shopping consists of going to buy sardines that are skinless, boneless, um, and packed in water. So that's what I have. Um, so I'll eat that once or twice a week. I eat eggs. So I'll usually have two or three eggs. Um, I, thought eggs I thought eggs like completely fucked you up. I can eat them now. That's what I, I was, when I say that I went carnivore, everything has shifted for me. So now I can have eggs, no problem, which is amazing. I used to have like migraines and, and hives and none of that stuff happens now, which is really cool. And you've got um, no inflammation. I don't, I wouldn't say no, because when I had those, um, those little tastes of things that I had, obviously I had inflammation. I had an inflammatory response. Right. right. But when you're eating straight carnivore. Mm. No, I don't have gas and I'm bloating. I don't have the fogginess feeling. I don't feel like I'm a hundred pounds heavier anymore. Um, I have so much energy. It's amazing. That first week when I woke up and I was like, Oh my God, I, I, cause I knew what brain fog was. I felt it. I knew what yeah. it was. And I thought I had, it all back. And then when I went to carnivore and I woke up, I was like, holy shit, I have even more. I was like, wow, who'd have thought I would have had more clarity. It was unbelievable. I can't even describe that feeling. Um, it was just such an eye opener. And then, um, and then I usually eat fatty meats because you know, I need fat you either, your body runs off in fat or carbs and I don't have carbs at all. So I need fat. And so I make sure I get the fattier cuts like the ribeyes and the flat irons and you know, the New York, strips the New York okay. sirloin strip steaks uh so i do that uh with eggs okay. or sardines or i do eggs and sardines or eggs are always a part of it for me because of the omega-3s okay. and fats mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay so yeah. how all right so uh, beginning to end just really quick your day uh yeah. looks typically like what you get up in the morning and then you eat eggs and sardines eggs and steak eggs and something mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I actually don't eat right away because I work out. I, I do my meditation. I do my do you, workouts. And, and fast? Are you fasting? Yep, you fast? I'm okay, fasting. tell tell me. Yep. What is so I usually um I don't eat usually until about nine thirty ten o'clock in the morning. I get up at five and I don't eat until nine thirty ten o'clock in the morning, and then I stop eating at four o'clock in the afternoon. But I fast between those two meals. Like I don't have anything in between those two meals at all. Um, so I'll have that steak and the eggs or the you know, some, some concoction that I told you that I usually have. Um, and then at dinner, Oh, and Oh, I do have bone broth too. So I'll have that in the morning. That's my coffee is my bone broth with my well, meal. Does that break your fast? Um, I have it with my meal. So yes, oh, okay. 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 So gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. Yep. So I do that. And then, um, and then I work all day and then I have my dinner, you know, in between three and four and then I'm done for the rest of the night. Um, so that's so essentially two meals. 
two meals. I've tried the OMAD thing, the one meal a day, and I'm just too active for that. I don't feel like I can get all my nutrients in. I'm starving and I feel, and this way I don't think about food at all. I'm not, you know, starving. I'm not wondering what my next meal is going to be. So this to me, I know is the right way for me to eat, eating intuitively this way. I have a time frame I, that I put in there, but if like today I haven't, I haven't eaten yet and it's noontime, you know, so it's, there is a, I try and be done at least by four, no later than that. And then if I end up eating more, I end up eating more, but I didn't work out so, today either. So. so your typical window is about, if I can do my calculations, about a seven hour window. Yeah. Yeah. Ironically, that's kind of what I was doing for, well, not kind of, that is exactly what I was doing. It was a seven hour. I was doing 12 to seven. I would gotcha. eat from 12 to seven. Um, Perfect. And then I'm, since all this, I've kind of gotten off track a little bit, but I'm glad you told me that because I'm going to get back on now. What do you know about um, what do you know about animal? Um, I have to look this up because I think you're going to know exactly what this is. And I, but I, and I would love to have your, um, I would love to have your opinion on okay. what. Go ahead. While you're looking that up, I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest to you. Um, I would start ending your, your window of, this is how, what, how I look at it. Cause we have our natural circadian rhythm kind of, you know, has, has, I say should have a factor in how we eat because if we're, our body is getting ready to start shutting down for the evening, it shouldn't be digesting. So that's why I like to stop eating at four o'clock, especially this time of year because of when the sun sets. Right. So as, as the time goes on and it gets darker, later then I would say, yeah, sure. Seven o'clock is not a big deal. But as that sun starts to set, that's when our melatonin starts to get produced. And that's where our natural circadian rhythm kind of comes in. And I feel that we have, other than the stresses that are in everyday life, this is also another stress for us in our body is that it's now trying to digest when it should be in the rest mode and it should be, you know, winding down and producing the melatonin and not worrying about all this other stuff that's going on in our gut. Um, so that's another thing maybe you could, could dive into and look into. Um, that's why I stop eating at four or five o'clock. You know, I'll push it in summertime to five for that reason. Have you ever heard of grass fed beef organs? Yes, actually. Uh, nose to tail.org. Um, what is it? Nose to tail.org. Okay. They're out of Texas. Okay. Um, my good friend, Brian Sanders owns that. He's the one that is doing the documentary food lies. Um, he has interviewed over 150 people in this nutrition realm, and he is on the quest to prove that there is a right way to eat. It doesn't necessarily have to be just keto. It doesn't have to. So that should be coming out this year, I hope. But anyway, he has that. It's a grass-fed, grass-finished organ meats. Um, white Oak Pastures, they're in Georgia, not too far from you. Um, they are a regenerative farm. And they also sell organ meats. So between the two places, I like to shop between the two because sometimes one's out and then the other one. Um, but the eat to no, um, the nose to tail, the, that's the best one because they have a patty that you can get. It's like a ground burger and it has the heart, liver, spleen, kidney. It mixed in with bison and beef. 
So that to me is easier to eat than an actual liver. I can't sit down. I tried. I cooked a liver. I can't do it. I even cut it into cubes and put it in the freezer. I can't do it. Um, this is the way I do it. And I love cracking an egg over it and then just eating it with an egg like a burger, basically, is what that well, this is. This is pills, that what I was referring to. This is Oh, the ancestral supplements. Yes. That's yes. exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. What Brian. so your thoughts? Yeah, I love that. Um, Brian, I'm trying to, his last name escapes me. I talked to him last year uh, in July. I ordered a couple of his supplements because he is the only one that does desiccated parts. They automatically freeze them, put them in, and there's no fillers. There's no rice. There's no grain added to it like most supplements have. So I'm a big fan of his stuff. I only use it when I travel or when I'm out of organ meats, I will get it. So right now I have pancreas down in my cupboard and I've got uh, bone meal down in there. Um, and I also have uh, male optimization, uh, Brad Kearns, who's Primal Blueprint. He um, is, is a big spokesperson for them. And he created this formula, he calls it MoFo. <laughs> And uh, it's for male enhancement, basically, uh, male performance. So he asked if we could, you know, if we could supplement that, try it out. Not me, obviously. So yes, I, I said, of course, we'll help you out with that. So he sent us some to try. And, you know, the, just, just the results that you get, like the mental clarity, the digestion, all of that stuff is just amazing for, uh, especially the pancreas. If you have any digestive issues, the pancreas is amazing for it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would love to have, if you've got this guy's name that at ancestral, whatever, yeah, I would love, Brian. yeah, okay. I would love, if you've got a way of getting a hold of him, I would love I to talk to him because I think this would also mutually benefit him if I got on this and it worked and I could talk about it. You know? Yeah, I will. And I'll introduce the two of you. Absolutely. Thank you. That'd be great. So that's super cool. I was just looking at that today, literally today, because of course I'm you are. <laughs> yeah, because I have a good friend, Tony Freeman. I don't know if you, you actually may know who that is, actually. What's his uh, name? Tony Freeman. So Tony Freeman was, has won, uh, I can't tell you how many bodybuilding shows. He is a legend. Awesome. Uh, almost, he, he almost won the Olympia five times. He was okay. number three or five in the world for ten years. Wow. You know him. Trust me. You, I mean, I you're in I that. Saw a picture. I probably would. No question. So he's a good friend of mine, and he, you know, I was at his house, and we were talking, and he said, you know, I, you know, you need to start eating these organ parts, and he said, you know, you need to fast with the bone broth, and of course, I didn't do it. I tried and it didn't work out. Um, so, but he recommended sauerkraut with it. Well, that's fermented. Yeah. So I think that reacted yes, for me. It, it did for me too. Cause I feel that, you know, probiotics are good, but you have to take care of everything else first before you put those in there and not everybody it's not, they have this, they're being, they're held way up here, but we also have to be cautious of them too, because they are bacteria, right? So you're even good bacteria and imbalance and good bacteria does harm too. So you've got to be careful of that as well. You know, so I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, just getting it, even though kraut is fermented and it is in its natural state, that stuff has to be, you know, very, very carefully added in. I, and I'm not saying it's not bad. I, I, I love kraut. Don't get me wrong. Um, I haven't been able to have it. I hope someday I can because I love that tanginess and the saltiness that it has. But um, 
yeah, I feel that you have to take care of everything else first before you put that in and get to the bottom of whatever else is going on. Um, and the best way to do that is through organ meats. You know, desiccated liver is the best thing that you can take, the best thing you can take. It helps with so much of your digestion system. Um, you know, it, and so does the pancreas, actually. Some of the, if, if you don't like the sound of taking pancreas in a pill, then, then do the liver. You know, that's just Oh, I mean, I'll take whatever amazing. to feel. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, this, 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 <gasps> this is bizarre to me that all the shit's in here. But uh, <laughs> there, there's, there's something to this. There has to be. There is, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So your gut's completely healed. I mean, for the yeah. most part, unless you do something stupid. That, that, you exactly. know, you shouldn't be doing. And exactly. and so, you know, for people listening, like this is super important because gut health, you know, let's talk about that for a minute because the brain and the, 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 the brain gut connection mm-hmm. is so important. Like folks, I don't know if you really understand. Um, and I'm sure you can break it down for us a little bit deeper. And I would, yeah. I would love for you to do that because it's so Absolutely. fucking important that, I, and I don't know that anybody's ever broken it down for me yeah. uh, on here. Okay. Well, I love that. Um, a lot of the times we say, you know, trust your gut. That is the number one brain because whatever goes on down in our gut is what sends signals to our brain on what it needs to do. So our true brain is our gut. And one of the things that I try and under, make people to understand is, okay, there is a connection there. So you think about you're under some stress, right? So what do you do? You reach for food. And then when you're reaching for that food, it reacts in a way in our gut to release hormones, whether it's stress hormones, whether it's, you know, chances are it's a stress hormone that gets released, right? Or a feel good hormone. So that stress hormone gets released. And then all of a sudden that triggers you to want to have more. So then you end up eating more and then it causes anxiety and it causes more stress. So then it ends up just being a huge vicious cycle for us, right? So we have to somehow break that cycle and how we break that cycle is through the fasting, right? So that's why fasting is so important. And then we also have all the other benefits of fasting, you know, that we have, um, so I think that like the autophagy that goes on, all that stuff of ridding the bodies of toxins, all of that stuff happens with the fasting. So fasting is definitely important and it fits in tremendously with this gut brain connection that we have. So, you know, a lot of people say that it's the brain talking to the gut. It's actually the other way around. So we have those, whatever gets released in our gut first is what sends the signals to our brain. And that's what causes a lot of our anxiety and a lot of our depression is because some of the food choices that we have, we're not giving the brain exactly what it needs, right? So when we tell people, I see it more and more all the time, these 20 year olds coming in with depression, they, they should be living the time of their lives right now at that age, not dealing with depression, not dealing with anxiety. All we have to do is up their fat because our brain is made up of omega-3s and our, the myelin sheaths are made of that too. And that's what makes our brain fire and that's what makes our brain work. And when we up their omega-3s and we give them vitamin D, which vitamin D is a hormone, um, when we give them that, oh my God, they are like totally different kids and they're or young adults. And they're saying, I can't believe that that is such a huge change. Like that made a difference it all comes down to taking care of our gut. We have to heal our gut first, right? So think of all that anxiety that we have. Think of all the stressors that we have, and that just eats at our stomach too. That's where all of our hormones get released is from our stomach. 
So if we don't deal with that stress, kind of like what we were talking about from the beginning, if you don't deal with that stress, then it's just going to cause more habit or more, um, excuse me, problems down the road, whether, and I say down the road, towards your brain, towards your limbs, all of that other stuff that's in there, your rest of your digestive system as well. So it's all connected. So we definitely, you know, I always tell people, every bite counts. doesn't matter. You know, like, oh, I'm just gonna have a little bite of this tortilla chip. I'm just gonna have, how many of those little bites have you let in? There's going to be, you gotta look at the dam effect, right? So you keep doing that. Eventually that dam's going to build up and it's just going to burst. And then it shows up somehow in our body as some kind of a disease or symptom. So it's, it's huge. We have to take care of our guts. We have to be careful of what we put in there because that's what causes a lot of the releases of other chemicals in our body. So it does matter. Every bite matters. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and also <clears throat> some of those bites, you know, let's just take a piece of chocolate. Yeah. When you eat a piece of chocolate, it also fires off in your brain, those oxytocin, the, I don't know if I think, I think it fires oxytocin, um, you know, dopamine, serotonin, and, and all those feel good, but it's temporary. Right. And it's mm-hmm. not the right feel good. Exactly. Exactly. And that is, that's a whole other topic. Of <laughs> yeah, we I, do, <laughs> I do a workshop on that food addiction and what they've done and what the food companies have done with that. And that is a whole other discussion of its own. Jesus Joan, Christ, yes. Joan Eifland is amazing. She's from Stafford, I believe. Um, she's Dr. Joan Eifland. She has these amazing videos on YouTube that you can go and, and watch, but she talks about food addiction. And I pretty much, it's funny, I, I do pretty much the same presentation and I, I see hers and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like verbatim almost, um, just this, this research that this woman has done. And uh, it's the, it seems I've been following her footsteps in the research too, because I've used a lot of the same things that she talks about. Um, but yeah, it's amazing what these food companies have done to our food and it's not just food companies the cigarette companies because they now own our food companies and that happened back in the 80s uh so they're really good at neuromarketing and that's what this is it's all about neuromarketing we're the only country that can target kids everywhere else it's against the law so the americans take it you know take advantage of that you know interestingly my so my father worked for philip morris for a long time uh and what I didn't know about, I actually worked in, uh, he worked for another company for a while. And I, and that was my first job out of high school. And I, I didn't really understand at the time, but now I understand that, uh, you know, the reason people are addicted to cigarettes, the primary reason is that it's soaked in sugar. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Oh, that's because it tasted so bad before um, they needed it to taste better for kids to smoke. Exactly. And when they started this campaign about the no smoking for the kids, guess what happened? It went up. The rate of kids went up and everybody else, the rate of cigarettes went up. It was all a marketing scheme from Philip Mars, Mm -hmm. you know, and it is what it is. Yeah. And that's the reason I think vaping right now, Kate, I think that's why they've smashed the vaping market, which have crushed businesses yeah. because they've taken away so much from the cigarette business. What they're doing is they're going to crush the vape 
business, so people have to go back to cigarettes. Cigarettes are going to go up. Mark my words. I promise you, cigarettes are going to go up. I I guarantee they will, too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing that I have to give them credit for is they're really good at the marketing that they do. Um, They're very genius, um, and they've hit it where it counts for us as far as being tribes is if we see, you know, other people like on TV and the commercials and the billboards, everything that's out there, we see people being happy and doing it. We want that too. We're just that, it's just that tribe mentality. It's as simple as that. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's just like the perception of, of, of what is going on right now. The perception is, is that we're doomed. The perception is, is that, you know, this is going to destroy everything. Um, and, 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 and that's just wrong. Like, it, it it, like it's just a, a terrible way to look at what's going on because that is in no shape, form or fashion going to happen that way. They like to, to use fear and they're good at doing it. I mean, look at all this herd mentality that's going on with toilet paper. I mean, we're not losing power, so I don't get it, but whatever. Um, like, what the fuck? I, I still, to this day, don't do not understand why the toilet paper was the go-to. Why? I, I mean, care. you can, so you funny. can, you, you can clean off down there in a million different ways. Toilet papers. I, I actually use wipes. I don't even fucking use toilet paper. So it didn't really affect me until all the toilet paper was out and then they took my wipes. So, that's wicked funny. I'm telling you, it's it's just it's bizarre. It is bizarre. It totally like, is bizarre. It makes no sense. No. Like <laughs> I still like I wonder what, what who anyway. <laughs> maybe maybe the toilet paper companies are behind the virus. Hey, maybe know. they are. Who knows? I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> Crazy. So so um so Kate, uh, this has been super informative. Gosh, uh, uh, and I, we got really off on a bunch of stuff that I, I know really we did, didn't, didn't we? Intent- yeah. So, um, so when you, le- where did we leave off with you? I am so I'm kind of sorry. I really I'm kind of no. sorry, but I'm kind of not because I really loved hearing this, and I think yeah. this is going to help so many people. I think so too. No, we we left off at the right spot. I mean, I'm healing, and you know, this I don't have any. I don't have any sights in the, in the, you know, close future here of changing what I'm doing as far as coming up in carnivore just yet. Cause I'm still healing and it's been profound already. Uh, and I feel good. I don't feel deprived. Uh, everything seems to be great. What I'm doing next, uh, is I have signed up for, well, I didn't sign up. I'm putting together a ride in Vermont. Um, the, Vermont 100, the route 100, it's a 200 mile ride. So I've never, never done a century ride before. And you get 9,000 feet in elevation over the two days. Cause I'm putting it, I'm breaking it up into two days. They usually do a ride, a big group ride in June. And I, I know the pace that I'm at right now. I can't do 200 in a day because they want you to finish before dark. So what I've done is I've taken upon myself and got a group of friends together and we're just going to do the 200, but we're going to break it up into hundreds. So the first day we're going to do hundred, the second day we're going to do hundred and um, I'm going to do it all on carnivore and I'm going to actually start my training on Monday and I'm going to start putting it on Instagram and having everybody follow me. Uh, to do that so they know what I'm going to do and they're going to see the journey and I'll be recording 
or documenting uh, along the way. Because I know in Vermont on that Route 100, there's not very good cell service. So I'll probably just those two days, just take pictures and write in my journal and then I'll post it all at the end of that. So that's what's big next for me. I'm pretty sure, Kate, you just figured out in this conversation, uh, two different books, maybe three you can write. <laughs> so one is you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to do this race and you're going to be able to talk about carnivore for 200 plus. Are you going to writings for me? Are you going to write for me? Well, like, I, I mean, at this point, like, like there's just so much information, like you have to choose from you. <laughs> have a book that could be this thick if you wanted to right kate's life who wants to read about kate's life no, uh, you be, might be surprised <laughs> you know i could write a book about that on carnivore how to do the extreme on carnivore absolutely because it's a it's a thing now and a lot yeah. of people are joe rogan you know that's what he's doing yeah he joined the, the, the january challenge with baker with sean baker but I don't know that he's, is he still doing it? I think he still is. Yeah, I think he's still doing it. Uh, cause there's a, a meetrx.com. Yeah, 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 me, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, and, Sean told me about it. Yeah, so um, he started that in the beginning of the year to start the carnival month. Um, but it's ongoing. Everybody's in there. So it's just great to, to see and to hear that people are joining all the time. And I, I'm not saying that carnivores for everybody. Um, but I do believe that there's a percentage of us that has those autoimmune that I feel will benefit from it. And it's your choice if you want to do it for the rest of your life or not. And if you're going to do it for the rest of your life, there's a right way to do it. Um, there's also a wrong way to do it. So I would say do your research before you do it or get someone to help you do it because I, you don't want to mess with, with that. That's information you're giving your body. Nutrition is information and you want to make sure you're giving it the right stuff that it needs. So, um, yeah. All right. Just, yeah. Well, Kate, I think this is, I think we've come to a place where we can wrap up, but, 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 but on the tail of what you just said, you are the perfect person for someone to find. So, Yes. Let us know everywhere where it, once they hear people hear this conversation and they want to find Kate, where do they find you? You can find me on social media platforms of Facebook and Instagram. And my handle there is K eight for wellness. That's the letter K the number eight, the number four wellness. And my website's the same exact handle. It's www.k8 for wellness.com. And that's the letter K the number eight, the number four wellness.com. Her Perfect. Yeah. So thank that's you so fantastic. Much. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. You have given me personally so much information today. Awesome. That like I'm so excited because now well, my wife is going to fucking kill me because <laughs> I I go because because I start and I do I do shit like this and then I switch over to vegetarian. And <laughs> Dude, like I'm not jumping on the train anymore with you. I'm not changing. Stick with so what funny. I'm doing. Oh my god, it drives her nuts. That's so, awesome. Kate, thank you so much, and uh, I can't wait for this to come out and and for you to help some other people and and hopefully some 14 year old girls that get pregnant because I know they're out there and I know they need they would love to hear that. You know what? I I was there and meaning you. To say I was there and I overcame all the obstacles that you think you're going to have. And I have successfully become uh, a good mother, a great wife and, you know, a happy person. And I'm, I, I feel good. And I, you know, have done all these things 
and I still had a child at 14. So you can do it too. Yeah, absolutely. And I would love to help that person if they need it. Well, you're the perfect person to do that. Kate, thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Have an awesome day. If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.